I would certainly like some galoshes. Oh, uh, see, you go. do the voice better than I do. <laughs> I, I went to I went to like old like Savannah Farmer. You were like you do like the real twins. That's better just than regular I do. redneck. But you well, know, the, the Amish uh, they have. Uh, you know, don't you know? Just a little bit of a... Almost like a Dutch or a German. Dutch or German kind of going on. Uh, yes, I was uh, churning some butter. Ooh. Man, I need to learn that. <laughs> yeah. See, um, I'm actually pretty good at, like, the really overt sounding uh, uh, mm-hmm. accents, yeah. but I'm very bad at the, like, um, subtle, like, where you're almost speaking perfectly with no accent, but you're German. That is, like, really hard for that me to do. That is tough. Yeah. It's a hard one yeah. to do. German's a hard accent. Um, so, so, uh, anyway, long story short, Bob, I just want to let you know that yeah. if, if, if the roles were reversed and if you were me and I was you, mm-hmm. I might be like, oh, like, I wonder if they'll just like leave me alone in the shoe store because I'm, I look like a, I'm an Amish guy at this point. Cause at soft shoe, a lot of times <laughs> I would be like, can we help you? And they'd say, oh no. And I'd say, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking for a good pair of dockers. <laughs> yeah. So um, enough, uh, <laughs> enough about that. Taters is almost like a Hobbit accent. Uh, yeah. And and our two our, our our two Amish listeners out there in the in the whole world are like, oh no, not after this episode, never again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm getting it. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, you guys ready to start? Let's do it. I'm Zach. I'm Colin, and I'm Bob. And welcome, welcome to, to the House Plants Podcast. We're here to talk about music, media, and the mission of Jesus, and the salvation of Jesus. Oh my goodness. Heaven of Jesus. Oh my goodness. So the um the what you are what you are implying and what I am inferring from your imply and what they've already seen from the title of the episode might be slightly controversial. This might Possibly. be the This might be the most uh what's funny is that this is such an obvious thing for the scripture but the way I'm Framing it, maybe, or the way we are framing it. Culturally, it is controversial. Mm. Biblically, it is pretty sound. So here we here we are again uh, in our series of if you don't have this thing, mm. you can't have that thing. And I so we're closing it out, basically, this will be the last like this. This will be the last peg in the uh, board. Here we go. So um, before we get into the finer mm-hmm. points of this episode no heaven without repentance repentance a word we hear very seldom these days interestingly enough depending on which congregation you go to yeah depending on the congregation but um before we get into that we're going to do a worship song um i am a big fan of the lyrics and of the history of the hymn rock of ages but my snooty elitist (laughs) musical mind does not like the uh you want to be able bum, to play bum, more than two rock chords. Of ages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the the tonic and then the five. <laughs> so I was like, now you, know, you said that I like to hang on the five. So, well, this one is even five chord. This one's not the inventive way that you do it where you hang on the five. It's more like we've done the one for like the first three lines. Let's do the five for a second. And let's go back to the one. The, oh, the one. Well, the one chord really makes sense of everything. It's very solid. And well, consistent. it's the one. Right. But yeah. so so uh, I've decided to take it upon myself to do a few things. Uh, I, 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 re- I did some uh, chord rearranging, some style mm-hmm. rearranging and added a slight chorus. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I've, I've noticed I've noticed the electric guitar that you're holding there, Colin. I'm kind of uh, kind of uh, interested by this. So let's not call it like I actually put in parentheses in my mind. Yeah. Rock of ages, rocking the ages, rocking the ages. <laughs> but 
Oh, I am not saying I am rocking them. I'm saying Jesus is rocking the ages. So in that spirit, uh, and because it has the name There's rock no in it. There's no camel rock, though. That's, well. Yeah. So no, this not is for this one. regular this one. rock. If I had to attribute it to, a, to like a band, I would say it's like kind of like 90s, maybe mixed of rock and stuff like that. So hopefully you like the style. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here it is. Here it is. Alternative rock of ages.
pray tonight that you would be a part of all we're doing. Um, we're back here again, just super excited to celebrate and worship you and to learn more about you. Um, tonight, as we dive deeper into your word, we just pray that um, this would be glorifying to you, that you would hear our joyous and seeking hearts um, and feel that um, and be in the presence with us. So we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, so hopefully you guys, uh, you kind of grooved on that a little bit. Um, it almost feels like with the, the last couple of songs that me and Zach have been doing, we, we almost in our, in our mind have this like scope of like the full sound. So maybe I think we should, uh, probably for our Patreon listeners at some point, we should go back to some of these and just add the drums, the bass, yeah, maybe the should. backup vocals. Ooh, that could be fun. And that way we get a, give people a chance to hear the, the, the sound we hear. In our you know head. what I think would be fun? What? If we have any listeners who want to do like a cover oh of one gosh, of our versions, I wish, or want to take one of our versions and maybe add something to it. See, you know, what's funny. Oh yeah. That would yeah. be fun. I don't know how many like people listen that are knowledgeable about recording. Yeah. Uh, but that could be really fun. That I, could be fun. I, I think I think that would be really neat to hear. I like to sit on this like integrity like soapbox and say <laughs> that the um, the viewership and like the popularity of this doesn't necessarily matter to me as long as God is being glorified. But I will say this: the community uh, interaction is so so mm -hmm. awesome and such a big deal to us. So yes, if if you feel so inspired to pick out a song, comment and ask us about it, that would be great. So anyway, without further ado. Um, I have, I have taken kind of, uh, I've asked the other two of my good friends to allow me to take, uh, a whack at repentance, um, repentance, you, you want to whack it, just, just whack it, just knock it down. <laughs> <a bag or two. laughs> so, um, the, the interesting thing about repentance is that it is actually, if you're, if you're from a, a Protestant, uh, or, you know, maybe a, even a modern, uh, sort of, uh, congregation, that does a lot with modern worship, does a mm -hmm. lot about uh, outreach and things like that. Repentance is maybe not a subject you've heard that much about. Um, now, it's funny because we describe repentance and a lot of the things that go into our walk with Christ, like coming to the Father, uh, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, this kind of like, you know, uh, sort of um, follow Jesus and, mm -hmm. and and make disciples, this kind of thing. But mm -hmm. there... but we often don't talk about and see 
you know, we've talked in, in the last couple of episodes about the cost. Right. We've talked about uh, living righteously, but we, there is a, there is a word for the submission of sin. Uh, so it's uh, not submission. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, 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 oh man, what's that word? Submission. We're not submitting to sin. We are getting rid of sin. We are turning away from sin. Yeah. So the, the literal word submission to God. I mean, like Paul says, being a slave to Christ, I was a slave to sin. Now a slave to righteousness. You know, that's his deal. Was that thunder? That was thunder. I think God is responding. God so. is responding. <laughs> I saw a flash behind Bob and I said, uh Oh, and then I pulled like the, the dad from poltergeist, like one, two, three. <laughs> oh, so he's moving away from us. So, um, here's, here's, here is the, the interesting thing about the subject of repentance. Yeah. In so much of the Bible, the, the idea of repentance, the word repentance, turning away, turning towards God, turning away from sin that is caked in every, like the old Testament, the prophets, the gospel, the, uh, the book of acts with the early church, Paul revelation. So why aren't we talking about it now? Well, a lot of the newer churches are kind of more hesitant to do it just because the church has a history, ah. a, a, a modern history, ah. a modern history, specifically the last 50 years of being more Bible thumping. The whole idea of turn or burn, turn or burn, mm-hmm. and just this this hellfire and brimstone mentality. Sure, and so I, didn't I think, think a, about that. A lot. So a lot of pastors are afraid yeah. that they. That, so they're trying to remove themselves from that image by going in some regards even to the farthest opposite extreme. That's interesting yeah, that you turn, mentioned that. Turn or burn. Yeah. Like literally when we're talking about repentance, we're talking about turning. And turn or burn is well, kind of the message of, well, you better, you better turn. Buddy. So, so here's, so here is, here is an interesting, I like interesting fact mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to our thought process with Christianity. We rubber band a lot as a culture, as Christian, as a, as Christians, no, no, as a, a culture. culture, well, as a culture in America, yeah. but also as Christians. Absolutely. We rubber band from one extreme to the other and back and fear the, true. The, uh, the, the end of the spectrum on both ends. It's called the, the pendulum. Ah, yeah. see, I say yeah. rubber band, but pendulum yeah. makes sense. No, too. no, no. I, I, I like the idea of the rubber band because it definitely seems to be a very quick switch back and forth. Whereas a pendulum tends to be more of a slow swing. And um, so I, I, I so yeah, sure. no, and, and that, and that snaps makes sense. Back, snaps and hits you in the face. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes uh, <laughs> metaphorically and physically, but um, here's, here's an interesting thing is repentance is something you probably, when you think about Catholicism, you might think of repentance because of the idea of confession. Um, and forgive me father for I have sinned. So here is, here is an, a, even another critique and I'm not critiquing the Catholic church and I'm not critiquing Christian churches necessarily, but I will say, even with confession, we are not fully embracing repentance. We are absolving ourselves of sin by confessing to a priest or, you know, a padre, father, mm-hmm. um, in in the way that we are like cleaning the slate for the week, that kind of thing. Yeah. But there is there the way the scriptures defines the different aspects of repentance is almost like a like evolving. Tr- transformation of your spirit in a, a life change. Yeah. I really like that uh, versus the cleaning of the slate, which is something that you would have to do over and over and over again. And, and that's that, continuing that is part to of a it. cycle. That is part of it. 
But, sure, but, sure. But that, but, but without the change, it's just kind of becomes a ritual that, well, I uh, got a dirty slate. I better go get it right. wiped off. I better talk to somebody about it. And that's interesting too, mm-hmm. because uh, for a lot of people who may be listening, modern Christian theology might say like, once you are saved, the slate has been wiped clean. There's no more, there's no more slate clean that needs to happen. God has made you white as snow. Now, whether or not that, that way that that's interpreted is up to certain denominations. Now mm-hmm. let's go first. I'm going to read this one just to springboard us in. And then I'm going to read uh, an actual like scripture story. Um, so here's, let me get here. Yeah. So repentance. So let's, let's hear from the big Jesus himself on the subject here. According to Matthew, uh, chapter four, verse 17. This is the first words of his, of his like preaching that he does in his ministry. It's like mm-hmm. the first time he actually like preaches something to when somebody. He opens the scroll to Isaiah. And he says, yeah. he says in, in this, uh, hold on. Yeah. 17. Sorry. 17. From that time, Jesus began uh, to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yep. So it says he began to preach from that time on. Now, does that mean it's the first time he's ever preached? Depending on which gospel you read, um, it it may differ. uh, But uh, Matthew is declaring this is his first like preachable, like preaching sermon thing. Mm -hmm. Now, why, why would he say as his first words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Why? Why would that be so important? Now, mm-hmm. I would argue that it's because we have neglected to understand that it that repentance is solely important to even be accepted into the kingdom, which is why this episode is called No Heaven Without Repentance. Now, we're going to uh, this is going to be controversial mm-hmm. because a lot of modern day Christians have been taught or at least understand this concept of you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, no other works are required and you get in heaven. Mm-hmm. That is, I believe, not what scripture is fully saying. So you need to be ready to ready to feel maybe a little apprehensive about what I'm going to present. So, well, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm not no, gonna, no. I'm not going to interrupt you. Go ahead. I, I, I might add to it later, but I don't. Please I don't, hold I don't, on to your later, yeah. hold on to your stuff. So, yeah. So the the issue isn't the issue isn't that people necessarily are neglecting a certain thing of scripture. That that is an issue. But when they say nothing else is required, I think the scripture that backs us backs that up says it. We do not have the power to save ourselves. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. God, only Jesus. It's Jesus' work on the cross. Only Jesus' work on the cross can can save you. Yes, correct. But I would present mm-hmm. that in order to even to be ready to receive that salvation, there are certain things that need to happen now. Not, hmm, okay. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> Let's look at the Bible. <laughs> so first thing I want to do is define repentance. Okay. So I've actually put my own definition, but this is based on like a mountain of research I've done. This is me summing up based on my research. Okay. Okay. So this is for people to understand it pretty plainly. It says Colin's full definition of repentance is a commitment to turn away from sin indefinitely. I put that in parentheses and to turn towards God in mind, heart, body, and spirit. Hmm. So there are two things that need to happen. I believe that the commitment aspect 
is significant. And mm-hmm. I believe that mind, heart, body, and spirit yeah. is significant in that when we look at the different words used to describe repentance, like in the different versions, like the King James versus the NIV versus the mm-hmm. ESV, all through and NASB, all that stuff. Uh, there's Greek and Hebrew words used to describe, and they are they are translated to English, repentance or repent. Yeah. Now, they mean slightly different things, which is why I'm going to go through some words right now with you really quickly. But I also want to direct you guys to this link. It's, uh, it's a, a website I've found recently that I actually think is pretty strong. I haven't found any weird stuff with it yet, but uh, correct me if there's something, maybe maybe it's associated with some weird church group. I don't know. But BibleStudyTools.com has some really good articles. I, I have used some of their stuff yeah. from time to time, a, a little bit here and there. Not too bad. They The only the only uh, thing that annoys me is sometimes they do the whole like, hey, by the way, you've got ad blocker on. So we're not going to let you remove this from your screen until you turn your ad blocker off or you can pay us. And I'm like, <laughs> fine, I'll turn the ad blocker off. It's fine. Just let me read your stuff. So um, this this uh, most of this information about the wordage used is from that, but also from me just like cross referencing that with like Webster mm-hmm. and some other uh, Greek and Hebrew studies. So the first word that uh, I came across is this word uh, matenio and uh I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but it's a Greek noun. It means, yeah. And it means a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose he has formed or of something he has done. So keep that in mind because the mind aspect of changing your mind, not just a change of your mind, but it is saying I have decided, you know, intellectually to, Mm -hmm. To change the purpose of my mind towards that of God and away from something, something else. Something else. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then, matemeliama, loma, Greek. It is the is a verb or a noun. It depends, but it means to care and feel regrets about sin and to feel the want mm. to mm. repent. Okay. Now we're going to, this is going to be important. I'm going to actually open up this article really quick because he actually goes into a little more, the article goes into slightly more detail. So you could argue that the first one is more of the mind, whereas the second one's more of the heart. The way the Greeks interpret the way the scripture lines out, mm-hmm. the way repentance is presented. Yes. Um, so let me get all the way down here. And at the bottom, it kind of gives the like kind of terminology reference here at the bottom of the O of the article. Uh, but what's interesting is that, yes, they talk about um, met- metonia. Uh, it's formulaic and represents various uh, practices and stuff. But metalomia, the other one. <laughs> I think it would be. From what I understand, matanoeo, matanoeo. Yes, the other one has an L. Meta, meta meloma. Meta meloma. Okay, yes. Thank you, Zach. Meta mel. The Pokemon named Melt Metal. Yes, which evolves from Meltan. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of um, a lot of people seem to believe that 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 version of repentance is often associated with regret. Which is interesting because regret often isn't associated with uh, repentance unless you look at the full picture. A lot of times uh, people define repentance as literally saying, I've decided this is my action 
to turn away from sin and turn towards God in action, right? So then we move on to shub slash shove slash sub, which is also the like shuv, the word in teshuva, yeah. which means to turn or to return, turn away from or return to. And teshuva means literally return to God. I actually remember shuv hmm. from, uh, from Hebrew class. That's right. And then the last one is another Greek word, which is called, uh, either pronounced strepho or epistrepho or apostrepho, which means to turn mm-hmm. over or yeah. to turn to. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is this final one that's a ver- that's a Hebrew verb and it's used. So all of these are used in scripture in different places. And I this would take a really really long time if we would just did a whole like language yeah. thing on just this just this idea. That would take a long time. But the last one I find interesting is the Nahum one. Uh also because Nahum sort of, you know, I think it's either almost spelled exactly the same or slightly different than the actual book of Nahum, but it actually means groaning or lamenting. First, it meant sighing, which is interesting. But then they were like, oh, it's like you're going, ah. And so then they they started breaking that down. The, the you know, the Greeks that came later uh, were interpreting the Hebrew and they're like, wait, they're lamenting. Yeah. So they're lamenting over their sin. Mm-hmm. So now we get a full-fledged picture, right? We have sort of a, I feel regret. And that might be something that you feel in your heart. I feel like my mind needs to change. That might be in your mind. Mm -hmm. I feel groaning or lamenting. That might be in your spirit or in your body, depending on how you feel about it. Um, And then there are all of these others that like describe the act of turning away from and turning towards God. Yeah. And I think I know like that feeling um, because there's a difference between like where you kind of have that regret over like sin. That's like a healthy kind of guilt that like leads to uh like, I want to repent mm-hmm. versus like the shame where you feel like stuck. That's like a different thing. So Zach, would you do me a favor if you can pull it up? Yeah. I actually didn't write this uh, scripture down, but if you could do me a quick research on the, uh, rend your heart, I think it's a Psalm or something. Oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's one of the Psalms, but I'm going to read this quote really quick. And I want to hear from that. Um, Abraham Herschel, who is actually fairly famous. I actually maybe two thirteen. I heard I heard of, of this guy on the wind, uh, but he's actually uh, he was actually a rabbi who became sort of famous uh, as an author. But he's also considered a very helpful, uh, a good perspective guy for both Christians and uh, people of the Jewish faith. But his quote from his uh, book Herschel the Prophets says this: "No word is God's final judgment." Sorry, no word is God's final word. Judgment, far from being absolute, is conditional. A change in a man's conduct brings about a change in God's judgment. Hmm. Now, I don't believe that's the full story of it, but I think it's interesting that he thinks of it in this way, as that we are not immediately judged, like that we have a chance to choose Mm -hmm. to turn from sin, and therefore God's judgment would inevitably change. Now, like like I said, that's just a stepping stone. That's not even like the full picture. But I also really quickly, just another language thing before we move all the way on. Um, there's a cool forum uh, that I found. Uh, I actually may not even know the uh, the full like website name. I think it's English Stacker or something like that. English Stack Exchange. 
Ah, ah, by the Stack Exchange. Yes. Okay, so Bob, I figured you would know this. Yes. This is literally an unbiased, this is what the words mean, and this is how you say them, Mm -hmm. forum. Okay? So it's very English. It has no, like, biases, really. Well, maybe. Stack Exchange is where you're asking for questions, and you get a lot of people's other input. Oh, that's what I meant. I meant, like, but But people voted up and down, and and, and so you get a lot more consensus. What what I meant was... um, what I meant was they're not coming from a place of religiousness or not necessarily. Ah, yes, yes, that's it's more true. like it's about like figuring out like the English stuff. Yes, but yeah. you're right though. It is it is users that comment in, but their yeah. their goal is to solve the the English question. You know. Yes. So the one person put a question on here and it said, "Repentant versus penitent," and I thought that was a very mm. interesting look interesting. at because. They were like, are these words interchangeable? Because it feels like they're sort of samey. Like, mm-hmm. if I have a penitent heart, then I'm like a repentant yeah. heart. Yeah. And so this person uh, that replied, I thought was really good. He actually quoted some stuff from like an English synonyms journal and stuff. And he said, James Fernald, English synonyms and antonyms from 1914 bundles repentance and penitence with attrition, compunction, contriteness, contrition, regret, remorse, self-condemnation, and sorrow. And then offers this succinct distinction between the two. Repentance is sorrow for sin with self-condemnation and complete turning from sin. Yeah. Penitence is transient and may involve no change of character or conduct. Wow. That is a very important distinction, I think. Is it not? Because, I, is it a great? Well, it's like it's like with confessing your th- your sin or um, like continually like sinning and then going back and like confessing again. Um, it's almost like you end up in a mode where you're just, um, you're just trying to alleviate the effects of sin. That's exactly right. And, and you're not actually in a heart change kind of mode where well, you're wanting transformation. No, no, it, the, the, and, and we see this, we see this. Um, I mean, many people know that that one Christian in their life who is, up front every Sunday asking forgiveness over and over again, asking forgiveness and that stuck in this almost a loop asking for, for, for repentance, but no actual life. Change. Well, so, so yeah. I'm not saying that the Catholic church with confession has, has um, sort of enforced that ideal. I don't think that they, that's what is intended. Yeah. I think that the tradition of confession came out of mm-hmm. first, Having people who may or may not have understood the scriptures going to someone of authority and mm-hmm. saying, do you have the authority to like speak to God on my behalf or whatever? I understand that. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was thinking not necessarily from the Catholic perspective, but from, I the, just meant from, conf- from, from the Christian altar call perspective oh, where you have the same yeah, person yeah, coming down every week. Well, I mean, and, and I would say that's a healthy, healthy thing to do necessarily. But at the same time, like Zach said, yeah. if you are just doing that to clean the slate. I don't know if that's full repentance. Yeah. So Zach, it's, it's uh, like, it's the, you know, it's the stereotypical, like let's sin on Saturday so we can go and take care of it on Sunday. That's right. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So Zach, did you find that scripture that, yes. we, that I asked you about? It's actually, I found this really interesting because we reference this a lot and I forget where it is it's in Joel. until I look for it. Okay. And it's in Joel two. And what's interesting about Joel two is that it's also in the same place that talks about the day of the Lord, uh-huh. which is where the Holy Spirit was foretold to fall on all flesh. We're going to connect those dots in a so minute. So that relates to um, one of the one of our recent songs. That's I think for true. next episode, and uh, and it also relates to Pentecost. So very I true. think you should. I think as we read this, we should also keep the Holy Spirit's role 
in mind. We are going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit We're about that. We're going to talk about that, yeah. Yes. So, keep that in the back of your head. But Joel 2, uh, verses 12 through 13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. So there's the word return. That's right. And in, in some versions, whenever you see return to God, it can be interchanged as repent. Mm-hmm. It probably is shuv. It is probably shuv, yes. Yeah. So return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. So think about think about that for a moment, because uh, we're gonna re- we're gonna actually talk specifically about what happens when true repentance happens. But think about this for a minute. He says mm-hmm. in that scripture, I I assume it's a he who wrote it, but um, he says, "Rend your hearts and not your garments." Mm-hmm. So many people try and like use that in weird ways. I I personally think it literally means do it in your spirit and your heart, not mm-hmm. in your deed, it, not no, in no, your flashy deed only. No, no, no. no. Th- th- this makes a lot of sense from a cultural perspective because when people were mourning, they would like tear at their clothes. Things are so bad for me. They, they would physically tear their clothes yeah. as a sign, as, a, as as an outward sign of their mourning. David right. does this yes. quite a bit. It's, it's one of the most famous examples, but this was common throughout the scriptures. It's like J. Jonah Jameson, like trying to get the pictures of Spider-Man and it just eludes <laughs> him and he's like, ah! Who takes the pictures of Spider-Man? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they get sent from, from somewhere else. Yes. Jameson, a true good guy. Nobody knows that <laughs> he was protecting true. Peter. He'll never give up his source. So, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, so, so this idea of don't do it from an outward sign, but make sure you're actually rending your heart mm-hmm. internally. Make it an internal thing, not an outward show. That that's that. I love that. That that's awesome. So okay, since I know we have a lot of ground to cover. Yes. I, that's a good, that's even a better springboard, but I'm going to also use this springboard because this actually, this, this particular, um, what do we want to say? This particular, uh, uh, event mm-hmm. gets talked about so much in terms of like who gets to heaven and why. Uh, and I just want to, uh, I, I want to okay. be really clear about this because we just heard about what Joel says about, turn away, rend your heart. Um, we also, mm-hmm. we also, uh, are very diligent when we, when we talk about the definition of repentance being the acknowledgement and self condemnation of your sin. So I want to talk about the penitent thief as they call him sometimes, or the thief on the cross or the mm-hmm. unnamed thief. Some people will say, and it is in Luke 23, starting in verse 39 through 43. Um, does anybody want to read that? If not, I can go for it. You got it. I think you're there. Okay. Yeah, I you're am already there. there. I am there. So Jesus is up on the cross on either side of him are two criminals. These criminals are not unjustly up on the cross. They are, they are supposed to be mm-hmm. there. This has been established. Jesus, however, is not supposed to be there, but he is supposed to be there because of God's will. And they're like, my ancestors are smiling on me, Imperials. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So oh my goodness. Starting, uh, starting in uh, chapter 23, verse 39, it says in Luke, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. This is ESV language here saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us exclamation point. Like, come on, save us. But the other rebuked that guy 
saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Question mark. And we in, we indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in In paradise. paradise. So when a lot of people break this down, they say like, see, that guy is in heaven. So that just blows up any argument you have about what it means and stuff. But in terms of repentance, we are seeing possibly the best evidence of how repentance works Mm -hmm. to Jesus. So let me, I just made, so I, I just made a few small notes about what this guy literally does. Well, he like, he knew that he was guilty. So that's the first you know? part. Yeah. Not only that. He knew he admitted it. Well, for, well, the first thing that he does is he rebukes the other guy for trying to be selfish. Yeah. So he admits openly that he, what he deserved to be up there. Mm-hmm. So whether we don't ask, we don't necessarily know what this guy's crime was, but if he is, oh, oh he's referred to as a thief. So he stole something of well, sorts, but we don't know what we don't know the details. No, that's what I mean. I mean, like we don't know the extent. What I mean is if it involved like straight up sin against God, we don't know for sure. But we, what we, I mean, obviously he says, do not, it's, it's not good to steal <laughs> obviously, yeah. but, um, Here's what we know. He admits that he's supposed to be there. And in other versions besides the ESV, it, it, it will like go on and say like, we are being arrested and punished because we deserve it. You know, it'll like mm-hmm. line it out that way. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of the, they say like, we, we are justly condemned basically is what the ESV yeah. is lining out. Now he says, we are, we are receiving what we deserve because of what we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. So here's what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. saying, I did wrong. It is wrong, and I'm. Yeah. I should be punished for it. Contrite heart. Then he said. Then he acknowledges the sovereignty and the authority of Jesus. Yeah, he recognizes who Jesus is. Then, mm-hmm. in his submission to that, asks Jesus if he can be remembered when he yeah. comes into his kingdom. And the word remembered there is very interesting too. I could go on for a long, long, long time about this, but my little notes down here, cause I love my Bible that gives the notes it says the repentant criminal illustrates all the elements of salvation. He perceived his own guilt. He knew that he deserved to die. He prayed to receive forgiveness. The man had no time to join a church, be baptized or do good works. He only had the time to believe in Jesus and he was saved. Mm -hmm. The result would be paradise, a word meaning enclosed garden, certainly referring to the new Eden that Jesus offered. Now, the only indication we have of one of the things Jesus calls for us to do, and he called for it in Matthew 4, the beginning of his ministry, was to repent. Now, what's interesting is that, like, like uh, uh, David Jeremiah says, um, he didn't have time to be baptized. Yeah, that's a good point. But he did repent, mm-hmm. or at least have a repentant yeah. heart. Yep. Yep. T- turning towards God and admitting his fault, his wrongdoing. Now, does that mean that repentance is auto salvation? I don't. I can't say, and I don't believe so. I think that there's more to it than that, but I believe that Jesus knew that he rendered his heart and said, this is enough. And said, in this case, it's enough. You're coming. Have you heard, um, 
the thief song by third day. I've actually heard of that. Yeah, yeah we actually yeah. did it once or twice at FUMC, I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, That's a, a great, great song. song. Great yeah. song. But there's oh, yeah. this there's this song. It's like a it's a really long concept song by Third Day. One yeah. of the few times they do something like that. I love and, concept songs. And yeah, it's I don't know, it's like a nine minute song, but it's Proggy. from the Yeah, it's from the point of view of the thief right. that's on the cross. And so it what's cool about it is it's very worshipful. Who is this man? This man beside me. They call him the king of the Jews. You know, and so like talks all about like what he must have thought of Jesus seeing him there dying on the cross. And it's a I mean, it's a straight up worship song. I find it significant yeah. that this guy has like literally no doubts about who Jesus is yeah. and who, do- who God is. To me, that is another big, strong point in, in the way of faith. Mm. But that's a whole nother subject. Bob and Zach, I need some scripture readers. So I've we have Luke second, 13. We have second Peter three, one through 10, and we have Luke 13, one through nine. These are super significant mm-hmm. as we begin to step into the next idea I want to talk about, which is that second Peter. God waits on us uh-huh. to repent. I'm glad that I'm reading second Peter three. Now that I look at this, because it actually relates back to Joel too, because it says it does. the day of the Lord. Again, we're talking about we're going to connect those that dots. day of the Lord when he's coming in that judgment and not to two my own the horn. Spirit comes the down. research was was yep. fire this time. Mm-hmm. So, Zach. All right. Second Peter, chapter three, starting in verse one. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing. They love to scoff yeah. and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised ever since our ancestors died. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Very interesting. They forget the story of creation Mm -hmm. by these waters. Also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed by the same word. The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire and being kept Uh for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So he lines this out as like, listen, the day of the Lord's coming and that's going to be rough here comes the judge but but when we get to verse eight how crazy is it that he just like the old prophets like you know he lines out he's like man this Mm -hmm. bad stuff's coming yeah there's people that are going to be laid to waste god is going to have his way with wrath and he's going to do his thing but don't overlook the fact that the 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 lord sees years like a minute and billions of years like one day and he is all right with being patient and waiting for you mm-hmm. because he, he 
All he wants is repentance from yeah. you, and he's willing to wait forever. That is, that is to me, a maybe even more true look at mercy. Yeah. Always having the door open. I will say this about God's Not Dead. There's a, there's, it's interesting because I've like crapped on God's Not Dead in the past. Yeah. I, I love the analogy the lady makes. It's like the door is, the, she, the, What's the lady who's got dementia? The door to your prison is open, and she talks to. She says uh, you can walk out of it anytime yeah. you want, but you. But eventually, it's going to close. Man, Dean Cain is such a jerk in that movie. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I love Dean Over, Cain, overtly. I love it's, Dean Cain. You know, it's one of his worst that's, roles. That's my biggest pet peeve about the movie is that they're like unrealistically jerky. It's yeah. It's anyway. Well, so that, no, not only that, my my wife was a philosophy major. She's like, this is completely ridiculous. A philosophy class would never. <laughs> ever go this way he, and it wouldn't you wouldn't he, legally he, be allowed anyway yes, we could talk about that so many different philosophy so, thank you zach for reading that yeah, um yeah. i want to i want to make sure everybody understands that I, the lord is slow i love the that concept that he is being merciful it's almost like if you think about the present time and everybody's uh-huh. like when is the end of the world going to come of course we don't know because no one knows the day or the hour not even the sun except you know, it's kind of like, well, maybe God delays his coming because he's merciful. I mean, he, gives, he might he might know that he uh, gives so many people every chance to come to him. So, Bob, uh, can you? And yeah. So we're not out of the game yet. We are definitely yeah. not out of the game. Yeah. Uh, Bob, hit us with that Luke 13, one through nine. Sure. It says at that very moment, there were some present who t- who told him who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked, uh, Jesus asked them, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that, th- that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or, um, or those 18 who were killed when the tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Then he, t- then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit in it, on it and found none. So Jesus, uh, so he said to him, so the man said to the gardener, see here, for three years I have come looking for fruit. For three the- years. So, so yeah. he's saying like, think about, I'm sorry, Bob, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but imagine <laughs> if God is like going back every year and you still haven't turned from sin. Yeah. He's like, I'll come back because I'm still waiting. So continue, Bob. Go ahead. Yes, for three years I have come looking for, for fruit on this fig tree and still find and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should I be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig it uh, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So what's interesting about that to the imagery is again, we're looking at the way God sees uh, the waiting game for us. There is going to be a point when it's too late, but God is merciful and says, yeah, I'll come back and I'll check again. Um, We see this image kind of emphasized in the minor prophets throughout the history of Israel, of Jerusalem, and kind of the uh, different armies that come in and how God's people are spread like seeds in the ground and they return. Mm-hmm. So what what God is saying is like, like I mean, what, Je- what Jesus is saying uh, and God as well is that we are, we are people that have like 
all these chances, but we have to mm-hmm. repent. Uh, Jesus repeats himself twice about repentance there too. Earlier, he says, "Do you think this is good enough? No, you got to repent. You think that's good enough? No, you got to repent." And so he's saying, like, you can live your life and say you're you love me, but if you don't turn from sin and you don't turn towards me completely, then I'm sorry. There's going to come a time and that's just not like the game over. I, I love in, in the parable that he tells. You know, you got this. Uh, you get the man. He's he's looking for the fruit year after year after year. And he tells his gardener, just cut it down. And the gardener's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let, 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 me, let me, give me one more year. Right. Just, so there's, there's always is this chance of just yeah. one more, but there is still a time limit nonetheless. There is yeah. still this level of grace. Like, well, just one more. Let me, let me give it my all. Put the manure on it. Uh, m- right. Move the soil around. Let me, let me give it my all. But if it still doesn't, then we'll cut it down. The cutting is still going to happen if there's no change. That's but... Right. The chances are still given. So uh, so we've just lined out two different scriptures that talk about God waiting on us. And he's willing to wait. And not only is he willing to wait, but like Zach said, it could be that his timeline is extended on our behalf. That's mm-hmm. the that's a real good picture of, of a merciful God there. So let's move on to personal accountability. This one will be... Pr- probably more controversial if you really dig into it, but scripturally there's no denying that we have personal accountability. Some people would argue, uh, who are Christians who are strong and good Christians who read the Bible and, and understand and interpret it the, the way they think God wants them to interpret that would say that we are born dead and we have no control over our abilities to choose God. And we would just choose sin if we had no other choice. Now that's, that is not necessarily unscriptural, but I'm going to present to you some scripture here that paints a picture about our choices as, uh, as God gives us free will and our choice to choose him or to live in sin, uh, which revolves back to the idea of repentance as it is turning away from sin and choosing God. So I'm going to start with Ezekiel 18 and I'm going to start in verse 19 through 22. So as we look here in, um, we're, we're looking at a certain time period uh, and I could go into it, but I will just uh, contextually, if you want to look this up a little bit further, feel free. But um, in verse 19, it says, yet you say, why should not the son suffer the iniquity of the father? When the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Um, Oh, one more. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him for the righteous righteousness that he has done. He shall live. Okay. So what does that mean? It means that, some people believed that traditionally you would have the inheritance 
of the transgressions of your father be sought on you. Mm, But this in Ezekiel, which is in the Old Testament, I hope everybody knows that. Uh, We haven't got, because so far we've been reading a lot of New Testament stuff. Um, It lines this idea out that if you haven't sinned and you have lived righteously, then and you have turned away from sin and you have chosen to live righteously and chosen God, chosen God, then, then that will be how you are rewarded. It, ha- it has nothing to do with the inheritance of your father. Now by itself, like I said, there's more context to this, but I just want to make it clear that this is explaining why God chooses to judge based on wickedness or righteousness. Um, does somebody want to get Acts 2, 37 through 41? Sure. I can do this. Okie doke. Round robin. Sure. Now, when they heard this teaching, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will re- receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord God calls to him. Hmm. And he testified with many other arguments and and exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So, so these, so those who uh, welcomed this message were baptized. And that day about 3000 were added to the numbers. They devoted themselves to the apostles teachings and fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. So it's funny because it talks about the family there too. But after, um, I think it's in verse 39 or 40, it says, save yourselves from this wicked generation. What he is referencing there is he's saying, if you repent and turn from sin, you will, you will in a way save yourself. I don't think it's ever suggesting that God isn't in control of your salvation, mm-hmm. but it is saying that we have a decision to make to, to abhor sin, to like turn away from mm-hmm. it and choose God and to be baptized and to receive the Holy Spirit. And those things go hand in hand. And what's interesting is the, the, the process, the way they presented it says like, repent, be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I remember, um, like speaking of like saving yourself from the coming wrath or whatever. Yeah. There was like this list of questions that John Wesley used to ask people to like, see if they were ready to like join his like, society small group things that he was doing. Yeah. And one of them was, do you have a desire to flee the wrath to come? Ah, see? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, um, it's like, do you have a healthy respect and fear of God to the point to where like, you want nothing to do with his wrath. You want to do what you can to get away from it. And it's funny because <laughs> theolo- <laughs> theologians and reasoners since the beginning of time have made it that simple. But it's funny how, like, we kind of muddy the waters a bit mm-hmm. on our understanding. Pascal's wager says, oh, yeah. isn't it isn't it smarter to just choose to believe that right. God exists? <laughs> and then if you die and he doesn't, then you haven't lost anything. But if you choose to turn away from God and you die and hell actually exists, that's bad for you. And so, But it, Colin, <laughs> I might miss out on fun. Right, so right. That's true. I forgot. So, Christianity's really not fun, man. Hey, hey Zach, do you um, do you have the means to look up Second Chronicles sure. seven through thirteen? I want to. Uh, so, sorry, Second Chronicles seven thirteen and fourteen. Um, we're about to move into something called uh, something I like to call what happens when you repent 
you are blessed sort of this idea that what is the reward for repentance? You know, and I only have the two scriptures, but go ahead. There is seven. What's the verses? uh, 13 and 14. Okay. Uh, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among, among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So this is a right now. Yes. This is a right now blessing. You're about to say exactly what I'm thinking. Yes. Because this is one that I've actually heard shared quite a bit in churches. You know, let's go to God and try to repent because of what we see happening right now. Mm -hmm. Well, then then, then he will heal our lands. Well, we... Mm -hmm. We, we, unfortunately, the Christian movement that believes that probably is in the minority. We have to start to recognize that America isn't in support of mm-hmm. true, real, what I would yeah. call like real truth-based Christianity, or at least not in some of the ways that we've seen in, maybe in the past reformations right. and stuff. But that's a whole nother thing. But in this case, in Chronicles, again, in the Old Testament, God is lining out this idea of, if you turn from your wicked ways, we will like, God will like come in right then and like bless your land. Uh, Jonah, uh, God speaks through the prophets a lot about like what will happen if you turn and repent versus what will happen if you don't. Cause he always gives warnings through the prophets to Jerusalem about, you know, it's destruction or invading armies, all these things that have to do with God's judgment. So, right. So, well, what's weird is that, in, in in my Christian walk, I have sort of railed against this idea that God just throws stuff at us until until we do the right thing. But but in a weird in a way, that is exactly what God does. Well, I believe this is my personal belief. I'm not 100 percent on it, but I believe that God allows the actual like sin of the world to harm us if we live in sin. He's just like, fine, then let the sin take care of it. But God can completely protect us from the evils of the world. This side of heaven, there's a lot of situations where the results of sin will stay even after you've repented. Right. You know, like our actions Mm -hmm. still have consequences. Yeah. So, so, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to start moving a little quicker because I know we're running out of time. So I'm going to say Jonah uh, chapter three, verse seven lines up almost the exact same idea, but from a different perspective, Jonah, as we know, is kind of like, I don't really want to like help you save these people because they don't deserve it. This, this, this was Nineveh. This was the capital of Assyria. It's like a bad, bad time. These were the people that were, that were the enemies of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and he was afraid that they were going to going to destroy Jerusalem. That they were going to come and take over Israel, and a generation later, they do. Well, like 150 years later, basically, it's like a little bit further down. But you're right. Yeah. And then God destroys it then too. But what's funny is that in this moment, God says they truly do repent, and it's. I'm just going to read it because it's you know easier easier to just read it out. Starting in verse uh, seven of chapter three, it says, and he issued a proclamation and published, uh, I'm sorry, published through Nineveh. So this is Jonah doing this because God is saying like, you got to do this by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast 
herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And then in verse nine, it says, who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce Mm -hmm. anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and he did not do it. Now, it's funny if you read the King James or other versions of the Bible, when God turns away from doing the bad stuff to them, the word repent is used sometimes. Interesting. Because it's that, that turn away, turn away, shove. So they turn away from sin. So he turned away from punishing them. And it's interesting because God, it doesn't say that like God saw their actions and thought they were good to go. It says God saw what they did and saw that they turned away, turned from their evil way. I believe that in the case of this, it's the king of Nineveh literally saying like, we really do need to do this. I believe it. So before in verse seven, that was the king of Nineveh, like taking Jonah's words to heart and trying to instruct his people to do exactly that. And they do it, which is crazy. So Mm -hmm. what, what this, what this makes us understand is that God does bless people who repent. And we've seen the evidence a few times in the scriptures now. So here's the more, here's a controversial one. We're getting more controversial as we go. Is salvation without repentance enough? Is good works or study even enough? So for many Christians, the process of salvation requires little from us. Just say, God, uh, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. They're like, all right, great. We're good. Yeah, we almost make it into like a a mental acceptance. That's right. Okay, I accept that that is true and now I believe it. So good to go. Right. All set, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need to do anything else because we're all we're all good. Um, so that is actually not what the Bible says at all. And I would challenge any modern Christian theology that says that all you need to do is accept Jesus. You are missing a few key points now with, yeah, I, with I, a few caveats, right? <laughs> yes. I, I've mentioned kind of this before that, um, um, that those, the, 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 the first few generations of Christians, um, especially in like the 200s, 300s, those who were, I mean, th- th- these are followers of Christ who were closest um, historically to when he was taken to where he was walking the earth. And they actually had a very long, sometimes upwards of two years process before, true. before you could be considered yeah. by them to be followers of the way before you have are truly considered to be Christians. They were called the uh, catechumen. Is that it? The catechumen? Yeah, they were sure. like, they were almost like candidates for being accepted into the church and they would like train like Padawans. That's right. And then they <laughs> yes. would rise to the level of Jedi Knight and be <laughs> baptized. No, no, no. But, and, and the point is, is, is that is that it was only at that point did the church consider them to truly be be saved at that point. Mm-hmm. It, there, there was this process of learning and understanding. Not, they would memorize stuff too. Mm-hmm. How, it, how many times have we like made people like memorize scripture before mm-hmm. we let them like get baptized and say they're Christian? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. And this isn't. This is not meant to undermine the thief. The thief is is the is the obvious example in the mm-hmm. opposite direction of that. Well, that's my point. But my point is, he didn't have the baptism. He didn't say whatever. But he did say, "I repent. I think I did yeah. wrong, and I also uh, call you God." 
Yes, yeah. they are a both and. No, no. And Jesus knew his heart, as 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 is evident by all of Scripture. Jesus right. knew what was going on inside the heart, so he knew that this yeah. man was truly repentant and was not just trying yes. to get out of hell free. Which heart. is which is also what he acknowledges with the Jonah situation. Now, yeah, I, that's a good point. Jesus can know the heart and know that a person has repented, but as the church, like putting their stamp of approval on somebody, we actually mm-hmm. can't see within the I heart of man. I, yeah, I don't right? think that's a ability. Yeah. Yes, and, and and I don't think we're always necessarily called to to do that. There might be times where yeah. we're called to, to to take a level of to a certain degree, but we cannot truly know an individual's heart to its yeah. fullest. All right, let's go lightning round. Zach, Romans 2, 1 through 5. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, Ah. not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Kindness leads you to repentance. Isn't that interesting? The way that that's phrased. He's saying, yes, God is kind. He is kind and merciful, uh-huh. but he's leading, he's trying to push you to repent of your sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not just being nice because he's giving you a free pass on it. Yeah, no, and, and, and this we see this actually lived out in the story of Zacchaeus, where Jesus simply says, I'm going to eat with you tonight. Um, and, uh, and and then, yeah. Oh, you're, you're, no, no, you're no, 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 no. I'm yeah. saying you're actually talking about the thing I wanted yeah. you to talk about. There's, so, well, yeah, okay. so there's, there's one more verse. It also says, because because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. That's that day of the Lord again. Yeah, we're about yeah. to get into when the his judgment righteous day. judgment will be revealed. Yeah. So that's interesting because I've heard we hear a lot of um, I, I think it's from Matthew, but storing up treasures in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. We hear a mountain. lot about that. People say that all the time, like store up those treasures in heaven, man. Um, nobody ever says the like the reverse, like don't store up that wrath. Cause that's bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But that's, but, but again, yeah. that's the point. Um, I believe the scriptures say this very plainly that God is kind and merciful, but is you just accepting God as God yeah. enough? I don't, I don't believe the scriptures yeah. are saying that Bob, uh, could you, could you finish your point about Zacchaeus please? Oh yes. Yes. So, so, so Zacchaeus, Jesus simply says, I'm going to eat with you. That, 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 that's what he says tonight. I'm going to eat with you. And he says, you're good enough. You become an outcast by your own people because you are a tax collector. You are robbing your people and sending it to the enemy, the Roman Empire. Say, so, but I think you're good enough, and I'm going to eat with you. I'm showing you kindness. That's right. And Zacchaeus' response is is not great. Let's eat. His response is, I'm going to give back to my people. I'm going to give back, and anyone who I've wronged, I'm going to give even more. Uh-huh. It, 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 there, there's a sense of repentance, conviction, the, sense, the conviction. Why? Because this rabbi, this 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 son of God, this Messiah, as he's slowly becoming, revealing himself to the world, he says, "You're good enough," and it's his kindness that leads Zacchaeus to repent. So, well, in, in the not, same, yeah, oh, it's sorry, not necessarily about who Zacchaeus is; it's all about who Jesus is. It's well, sure, his sure. kindness. That's true. Well, uh, so that declares that. You know? Speaking yes. of tax collectors, yeah. read me Luke five verses uh, thirty and uh, through thirty-two, real quick. Thirty through thirty-two. Uh, Luke five says the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, those who are well, 
Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to, uh, but, but sorry, I'm going to reread that. Jesus answered, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mm. So he is lining out and saying, it's not about whether or not you're doing everything right. It's about the people who haven't repented mm-hmm. that need that need my care, not yeah. the people that are doing things good. Yeah. All right. So lightning round again, I'm going to move on to the day of judgment because we've already talked about that in access. So I'm going to move to Acts 17 uh, right. and, I'm, and I'm going to talk about Acts 17, which is very important to the day of judgment because this is probably the most plain you can be about it. So starting in verse 29, he says, Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So what it's saying there is before maybe God, before what's going on with the, um, maybe before Jesus, maybe before, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is in, in, the, in the early church. Maybe he was being nice. I don't know. Or maybe he overlooked that stuff, but that's not what's going to happen. And if you haven't repented when the time comes of the day of judgment, things aren't going to be good for you because the one we've appointed to, to wipe all that stuff out is, is going to count you on one side or the other. So now that day of judgment, now Jesus has been revealed. And so, right. you know, we now have someone to look at and say like, here's the example of the law lived out. Here's what a new heart looks like. And then Jesus and God sent the Holy spirit after uh, Jesus walked on the earth. And now we have even a helper in that. And so the Holy spirit is the reason why we are given the grace like he's the agent through which that grace comes, right? The grace that allows us to have the repentant heart. And so the Holy Spirit's role is very important in that as well. I think so. Yeah. I think that it's a full circle thing. Yeah. And, and that's why I said in the beginning of my definition, mind, heart, body, yeah. and spirit all need to be on the repentance train mm. for it to be true repentance. Now I know that's a tough ask because it means literally all of yourself, but God that's you, what God asked for, though. You yeah. said, "You said, offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice." That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. And what is the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, to love the Lord your God with your yeah. heart, so, soul, mind, body, strength, everything. And, and, and on top of that, the, I mean, going to to Colin's favorite book uh, uh, over in James, favorite you know, book. Uh, you know, he, he uh, there in chapter two, he says, "I mean, he's like, you believe in God? Well, great. great. Even the demons believe that. Great. And they, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and even they shudder. Even so, so they it's, it's, know it's, about it. It's not just they your even mind. Shudder. It, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not just your mind that has to has to. It That's has exactly to, right. It has to be the whole thing. So let me get. Let me just read this final thing. I have just a tagging of questions, and then we'll we'll call it for this one. So we're gonna say uh, the last scripture I want to read about, just as a way of saying. What do we do with this information, right? So revelation. So we've gone through the entire scripture mm-hmm. from very early in the Old Testament, the gospel, the prophets, and now revelation, revelation chapter two. So starting in verse two and going through to five, it says, 
I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and and oh, there's a double oh, and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So he's basically saying, like, you guys are doing the right thing. You're on the right track. But, in verse 4, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you have had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampshade from its place unless you repent. So he's literally saying, you guys are doing the right stuff. You are doing the right thing. But listen, don't let your heart slip. Don't fall back into old bad stuff. Or I'm Mm -hmm. literally going to take, I'm going to take that reward that I promised you away. So a lot of people rail against the scripture. I think we should take it because in my Bible, it's red letters. Mm-hmm. So I wonder That's if Jesus talking, I wonder if we need to John. take it at, mm-hmm. at what it's saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like, well, revelation is so mystical. I'm like, I think this is pretty straightforward, but ch- chapter two <laughs> and chapter three are, are fairly it's straight the seven forward. letters right. to the churches, right? Yes, it is. Yes. But, but you get what yes, I'm saying. And, and, and this one's the first one. To the but I, of Ephesus. I do think that even though it's the seven letters to those seven specific churches, I think they all contain a lesson for all of Christians. That's oh, absolutely. Exactly right. Absolutely. So, so, so I, I, I do enjoy the fact that he, he, that he tries to point out the positives and then goes to the negative. So it's like, he's saying you guys are doing good. You're, yeah, you're, 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 they're testing the, the, the people to see if they're false prophets in there, you know, and enduring patiently. He's saying like, we know that you're enduring patiently, but you can't lose the repentant heart that you have. You have to continue to repent. And this is a lesson that we can close on before we finish out here about what Zach mentioned earlier and what Bob mentioned earlier about going to the altar. Um, if you feel like you're slipping, make it, make it a practice to repent. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't repent just to clear your slate. Go, go back to the foundational things you, you believe yeah. in, in terms of God, go back to, re, uh, re, uh, turning away from sin in, in mind, heart, body, and spirit, the way that you did before. That's what, that's what he's calling them to yeah. do. And so, um, uh, I have a few questions. We actually have, we pretty much have listed all the questions. So maybe we don't have to do questions because we're at the end, but I just want to touch on a few controversial things that we can like kind of tail end on. Okay. Cause we've, we've mentioned some and I'm just going to lay them out for you all because this is why I think some of repentance language is tough. Um, one of the questions I had, but I'll just go, like I said, I'll just go ahead and go through these. I think, the idea of repentance is, is significantly harder than yeah. every other aspect yeah. of, of becoming a Christian, I guess you could say, because what are the steps of becoming a Christian? You come to church. Somebody says, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You say, yes, you might get baptized, that kind of thing. We just kind of gloss over this mm-hmm. idea that you need to completely turn away from sin. Yeah. So why is that so hard? Uh, I would say if you got, if you guys have insight quickly, but I would say that for me, it's, it's it's really the one big ask that the church should be asking people. It's really awkward though. Like, yeah, you know, it's the ask. It's, it's, hard it's the thing that you yeah. personally yeah. have to like be responsible for. It's your yeah. accountability of your sin. And I think that if we're being honest, I think a lot of people don't feel ready to hold somebody else accountable because they themselves 
aren't ready to be held mm, accountable. That is that is a really good point, right? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Um. So so that's the thing. Uh. And and you know so we've already really talked about like why Bob yeah. actually lined this out in the beginning, so I didn't have to ask him why you feel like a lot of churches don't really preach on the idea of repentance. You you, you I mentioned think a bunch it, of that this I think, morning. Oh, sorry. I think that on. some people might think that this seems to go against the idea that um that God is the one who saves us because uh, like, I feel like the, uh, the tit for tat from like maybe between Calvinists and non-Calvinists would be like, well, works don't save you. Right. So, right. Yes, that, that is true. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not saying that, um, your repentance is like an action that you take and then you save yourself through it. But we are saying that, um, God looks at the heart and I think in order to right. accept the salvation of Jesus Christ and to accept the gospel, you have to know that a, a change in your life is mm-hmm. required. As we yeah. talked previously about, yeah. about it being a cost, you know, yes. in, in, in the, the yeah. idea of counting the cost. Jesus tells people count the cost of be, 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 before From our last episode. Mm-hmm. And so, so if, if it's, uh, if, if it's just something we say, then what is the cost? Right. We're not really counting a, 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 as a cost because we're not really sacrificing. We're not really like giving anything up. Um, that That's really why we did the episodes in the way we did them is to mm-hmm. say like yeah. uh, being a disciple means to sacrifice some things. Mm-hmm. Sin being one of them and living righteously, which is why righteousness was the last episode, is living without sin as it's lined out in the scripture. Righteous living is to live without yeah. sin. And this last lesson is to say, and if you are living in sin, you need to repent of that sin, turn away from it. Um, and it's crazy because I, I mean, I've already shown you like 15 scriptures in a row that basically <laughs> yeah. line out that say like, you got to repent in order to receive the kingdom. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you have to. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the, the words, words of Jesus multiple times, Jesus says it, the apostles say it, yeah. the, 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 the prophets say it. So now controversy what does that mean does that mean that works assisted salvation is a thing i would say god isn't like i mean there's no real um analogy that would fully like express it mm-hmm. but i feel like god holds the key to the door to heaven yeah but it's like having a bouncer at the door to heaven to get into the club so here, <laughs> yeah, here's here's one i've heard before Okay. And, and I would not call it so much a work as a cooperation with the will of God. Okay. So God has a bank account that is in your name that has unlimited money. There's this bank account <laughs> that would alleviate all your debts. Like this would pay for everything that you need. You would uh, never be in want. And of course, I'm not talking about literal yeah. Like you're going to be rich if you follow Christ. I'm right. just saying like, imagine that your, all your accounts would be cleared. All your debt would be taken away, but you have to go inside the bank and make the withdrawal. Right. And you have to admit that you need it at that point by taking it. I like well, that. And but, but also th- that, that, that is a good analogy. I like that analogy, but it would be also like saying, and I'm sorry, you have to like quit your toxic job. Yes. And stop you have to, lighting fires for a living. You have to stop racking up that debt too. Yeah. Um, but even with the step being very, you know, straightforward and it's just like turning to God, turning away from your sin. Um, imagine that the bank account is wide open. There's still people sitting on the steps of the very bank 
who are like, nah, I'm not going to go in there. I feel you know? like, yeah, it, well, yeah. lining it out that way, yeah. that's as simple as it can yeah. be for Christians, but a lot yeah. of people don't understand it that way. But mm-hmm. No, no, and, and I think I think there's um, there's a lot of good scriptures to support that analogy. Probably my favorite, yeah. my favorite one kind of supports that, and that's coming from uh, from Revelations chapter 3, where Jesus, once again, the, the, the final letter to the seven churches uh, where uh, verse twenty um, he, uh, of Church of Laodicea, he, oh, he says, Laodicea. "He says, look, I send the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Um, the, uh, the, those uh, those who are victorious will sit with me at my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne." He, what, what is people often use us as talk about salvation itself, but what I find that so significant is that he's not talking to non-Christians. He's not talking to the sinners, the, the, you know, the, the, um, those who have yet to make the decision. He's knocking on a church's door. Yeah. He's yeah. talking to a church. He's like, I haven't given up on you. I'm still here. I'm knocking. Yeah. Will you open up and, <laughs> and be part of this? Yeah. And people are like, nah. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to the door closed. Yeah. So, so final thing, because we do have to end, I will just say there's the, the controversial things that this kind of scriptural research suggests is that, A, um, you have accountability for sin, mm-hmm. personal accountability. B, it's possible to lose your salvation. And C, can we get it back? Yes, we can with repentance. I'm sorry. I know that's controversial. That's going to make so people we, mad, but so that's we, okay. it. B We've, specifically uh, is the controversial one for a lot of, for a lot of, uh, for a lot we, of listeners. We have come out now full, not necessarily Arminian, but not Calvinist, huh? I'm not either <laughs> one, but I'm not fully either one, but I'm just saying. The, we need like a resident Calvinist on the podcast. Just to like <laughs> things out. Does, it, does it not say in that scripture that God will take that lampshade from you? I mean, if that's not clear enough, I don't know what it is. So anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening. We got to uh, yep. close it up. This was a fun episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you think, uh, think about these scriptures after the podcast is done and you go and you read them yourself in whatever version of the Bible, maybe not the message, but any other version of the Bible, <laughs> the message is a little too uh, the, nice. The message, about it. the message with a good like ESV study Bible. Yeah. It, it has its place. It's, it's got, it's, it gives a unique perspective. <laughs> it don't is, use it just is. the message. So don't use, but yes, look at these and be diligent about learning yeah. the truth of what God really asks of us. And um, thank you. Um, comment uh, check us out on our, our Patreon and we will catch you next time. Peace.